Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. My name's Lewis Tomlinson. On the other end of the line, on Spring Cup weekend, it is James Watson. How are you doing, pal? Fine. Looking forward to this weekend's action at Haydock. Of course, everyone will know who listens to this. It's a, it's a track that's close to my heart. Uh, we've seen plenty of nice winners in recent years of the race and uh, hopefully Hello Umzame can uh, try and reclaim his crown. Yeah, you'd normally be there on Spring Cup Day, wouldn't you? I'm not. I'd normally there Thursday. I'd try and go the full three days if I can. I do. I do like that Thursday meeting, the afternoon that we are recording now. Um, I do like going to the Thursday meeting more than the Friday. Less people and still top class action. Um, but that's the only negative. But it'll come. Uh, before we get stuck into a little bit of a preview of this weekend, we'll just have a quick run through of what we saw last weekend. Uh, primarily at Goodwood, I guess, was where all the main action was. The thing is, Jim, I know we saw some quite impressive performances from Century Dream and Subjectivist uh, in winning the Celebration Mile and the March Straits, respectively. Don't think we learned anything about either of them. They were just the best horses in both both races, and they did exactly what we knew they could. Yeah, both very impressive uh, winners of them two group races, and the the key was the ground to them races. the ground was the key to them races, the other way around. Uh, oh. Subjectivist dictated the race from the front, typical Joe Fanning ride round Goodwood. Um, he said going three furlongs out, he didn't think he was going that well. And then, uh, obviously, the other horses had done a lot in behind to try and keep up with him. Uh, and we saw his enterprising ride in the Gordon Stakes at the Glorious Meeting. And he tried them again here and made plenty of use of Subjectivist, which has seen him rocket up the market for the St. Ledger. Uh, good performance at this, but St. Ledger-wise, I, th- I think he'll run a race, but he w- he's not for me uh, at this moment <laughs> in time. And the celebration mile, Century Dream, with the withdrawal of Ben Battle due to the ground, uh, it was almost an open opportunity for Century Dream to co- continue a-, a fairly decent season that he's had backing up his diamond sticks early on, beating King of Comedy, and uh, he- he's done this well. He's followed the pace. Regal Reality went off quicker than I was expecting. I was thinking more of a hold-up ride for him. Just sat in behind him, uh, let the, the race develop, and as soon as James Doyle asked anything of him, he soon quickened past, the, uh, past him. And uh, Sabuskin ran on well as well in behind to finish second. Wasn't ever going to get to Century Dream, but he ran well in his first time in Group 2 company, and I'm sure there'll be a, a Group 3 or even probably a Group 2 to be picked, picked up with him. Yeah, I, I can't really add too much with that. Like you say, I like subjectivists in general. Uh, absolutely danced up, didn't he, really, at the weekend. But I would be a little bit disappointed if they weren't a couple better than him in the ledger. I think it might have to be a little bit of a below standard ledger if he ends up the winner. And Century Dream, like you say, he's just very, very effective on this ground on ground that doesn't play to his strengths, he's probably still a Group 3 level animal. On ground that does, he's Group 2. You know, we saw him third in the QE2 two years ago. That looks a reasonable target. Strong division of milers at the minute. He might be relying on a couple of those underperforming to hit the frame again. But it's not entirely unfeasible and he's a likeable horse for the Chris Woods. You wanted to mention Isabella Giles as well, Jim, who uh, won the Phillies Group 3. Yeah, she was very impressive, I thought. And another one that I thought the ground uh, aided her victory. Um, she'd 
finished on her second start and won uh, on good to soft ground, and she's she liked to dig her toe in a lot. And as much as Pomelo wanted to go from the front, I think that aided slightly Isabella Giles. And I'd be willing to give Pomelo another go. He was far too keen, and he come to the near side. And at the end of the day, the race didn't go how our event they was expecting. Um, however, Adam Kirby stuck to the middle, and Isabella Giles, who had more experience, more streetwise, knew knew her job and kicked away impressively, beating some nice uh, up and comers and and the solid form in Seattle Rock. Um, so I think Isabella Giles, I think the soft ground's the key and she could be winning a few more races late on, uh, later this autumn. I mean, I, I guess the main story from Saturday wasn't to do with any horses on Jimmy, it was Holly Doyle with the five-timer at Windsor, including the two black-type races, La Donda V, uh, who took the autumn stakes, beating Communique off the back of a monster 14-day absence. Well done to him putting up such a good performance after such a long time off. Uh, and Extra Elusive, who gained his second group three in the space of a month, winning the Winter Hill Stakes. Yeah, both very impressive performances. And uh, Holly Doyle said after Extra Elusive, he didn't like the, the ground and he didn't like the track. So he did well to get the to get the better of Fox Chairman in the end, um, who I thought, had a serious chance and let me down for a nice treble, but that doesn't matter. Uh, not bitter at all. No, no. My thing with Fox Chairman is he tripless, and does he want to go in front? Because it, when Sylvester D'Souza nudged him along to just go a bit forward and just try and kick on with his job, he just had a his head carriage was slightly up, and he's been campaigned over a mile, mile and two. Is a horse who always looks better on the bridle than he does off it? See, I thought when he got niggled along a bit, I thought he showed it. I thought, Christ, he's going to pick these up easy. And then he never did in the end. And I was slightly disappointed. Maybe a mile and four uh, would be next on his task. But uh, being a kingman, I don't think he, he wants stamina that much. But take nothing away from extra elusive winning this under the penalty. Kept going on the up and... You have to be looking at Group 1s now for uh, extra loose. I I think that Roger Charlton could do like a decorated knight uh, job. I know these were in the same colours with, with extra elusive and, and pick up some uh, international Group 1s and even though towards the end of the season, try your hand on Champions Day. Yeah, and by international, Jim means Tim Pot. Uh, moving on to this weekend, Zach. <laughs> Uh, we're going to start at Haydock with uh, the Sprint Cup. Really, really good race this year, I think. Competitive as all. The best prices at the minute, 4-1 to one for Dream of Dreams, 5-1 to one, Hello Yumsay, 13-2 Golden Horde, 7th Lope E. Fernandez, 10s at Power, 14s Tab D, then 25s Glen Shield and the Tin Man, and 33s Brando, Summergand, Archer's Dream, Forever in Dreams and Queen Jojo. I love this race. I love this lineup. It's a sort of one where the ones at the, the head of the market, there's not loads between them. And even the outsiders are all, are all horses who have either been at this level in the past or have been holding the form well at a slightly lower level. I can't actually rule anything out. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I was going to say exactly the same. Go down to Queen Giorgio and I could easily make a case for, for Queen Giorgio in this. Um, 
Dream of Dreams is is a horse that we all know plenty enough about. Um, and I've, I don't want to say I've never been biggest fan of Dream of Dreams, but I always try and find a way to try and get him beat. Uh, and as much as he was impressive last time in the Hackwood, uh, not the Hackwood, I always get the Hackwood and the Hungerford mixed up. Uh, as much as he was impressive in the Hungerford, I'm not entirely sure that form was very good. Symbolizers just finished second in a conditions race at, at Haydock. Um, I mean, the form, that race wasn't exactly one to be brightening up for. Breathtaking luck has gone over to France recently and, and won a Group 3, but I think that was a Mickey Mouse Group 3, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, I'm looking to poor goals. Jim Dreams have plenty of goals to try and win at Group 1 level, and he's just repeatedly banging his head on the door. And I don't think that uh, to give him another opportunity is not for me. I, I've gone for him. Your solid option is Hello Yumzin. We've seen him recent weeks uh, and months even. Um, when he went and won the Diamond Jubilee at Ascot, just got the better of Dream of Dreams and sceptical that day, but I always thought he was going to carry on finding more and more and more. He likes soft ground. He won this race last year, uh, beating the Tin Man. All of it, this race is a lot better this year. Um, I think he'll, he's a, he's always the solid each-way bet, and if you want something to scumbag at 5-1, to one, you'll certainly get a runny, runner with Hello Humes in. The only time we haven't really seen him run as well as we were expecting was probably the July Cup, and he wasn't that disgraced. Uh, he's the most consistent in this lineup, and you'd expect a run from him. Golden Hard, I think, is a, is a weak enough price. 13-2 to two is not exactly uh, what I, I'd be wanting to get on with. Um, he's been very disappointing, I think, since the win at Ascot in the Commonwealth Cup. All of it, that Commonwealth Cup is once again not turning out to be that good. But his third in his third in the July Cup was okay. It wasn't. I didn't think he, he could win a, an Open Group one by, by the end of the season when he did win. Um, however, takes his chance here. I think the return to soft ground will suit. He'll have to pick himself back up from that Morris de Geest. I was very disappointed with him there again. I, I know he wasn't beaten that far, uh, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't have Golden Hard at thirteen to two. Uh, I think that's a, a, an unfair price. And the rest of the field, they've all got valid options. But if, if you had to put a gun to my head and give you a selection, I'd probably give Lope Fernandez one more go. Um, he's, he's third in that Morris de Geese was, was very, very good. Um, he ran even better behind Pinatubu in the Jean Pratt. For a slight second, I thought he was going to get the better of, of Pinatubu. Uh, in the Jean Pratt. However, he, he's fair enough consistent now. He's he's dropped down to, to six and seven furlongs recently, uh, having tried it over a mile in the 2000 Guineas, where he didn't disgrace himself. Um, however, Ryan Moore can now come back to riding. That's that's a major positive, and, that, and that's a big talking point that uh, Irish uh, international jockeys can now ride at Irish uh, competitions without having to quarantine. So Ryan flies back to ride Lope Fernandez. I think at seven to one, he's probably where I'm going to land at the last minute. Um, my other sort of slight feeling is I, I do like Queen Giorgio at 33s. Um, 
she was she's beat breathtaking luck by it all a bit by a neck in, in a Phillies race early on in the season at York. But I thought that third in the city of York over seven was was a very very good run, and I didn't think seven furlongs would be for her at all. Um, I thought she's six out and out on on soft ground. Six furlongs will be up her street, and I think she's slightly overpriced at thirty threes. I'd like to see her. I'd probably have had her half the price that she is currently. Yeah, there's there's not too much I disagree with you on there, mate. Uh, I think Dream of Dreams is the wrong favourite. I'm I'm surprised he's shorter in the betting than a uh, Hello Humes in, based on six j- just on six furlong form. I know Dream of Dreams was was absolutely impressive last time out, but again, I don't think we we learned anything. He was so entitled to go and do that. All his form said he should have been going on to do that. And the fact that then he's now favourite for a six furlong group one, where he's, you know, he's always looked really like a seven furlong horse when running over six. You know, a seven length victory in a weak group two over seven. I think the bookies are taking the mick a bit. Well, obviously, obviously he did it very impressively, but I just... You know, the, the conditions of the Hungerford were Dream of Dreams at his best. If if you were to take this Sprint Cup uh, as a completely separate event, sh- surely there are there are a couple who have stronger claims over six furlongs. That's not saying I don't think Dream of Dreams can win. But I don't think he should be favourite. I don't think he should be favourite. Hello, Hello Humes has done him multiple times. And he probably is the most... He probably should be favourite. And he'd probably be where I'd land from those uh, towards the top of the market. Bumped into a good one in Space Blues in the Morris de Geese last time out. And has generally been solid. You know, won the Diamond Jubilee. Ran relatively well in the July Cup. I know... You might have considered it to have been slightly disappointing. But in, in a group of sprinters at Lacks and Out and Out Superstar, he was in the first half of the field, not beaten more than three lengths. Yeah, a fair run. A fair run, one that I won't knock. Uh, and again, I, I think getting to him in three quarters of a length of space blues is a very, very solid run. And if he replicates that, or replicates his Diamond Jubilee, or replicates his winning this last season, he should win it again. Uh, Golden Horse, yeah, the Commonwealth Cup's not looking great, is it? No. It's not looking great. Uh, he's third in the July Cup. You can, I, I think that was fine. Knowing what we know about the horses that were in the July Cup and knowing what we know about the horses in the Commonwealth Cup in retrospect, I don't think you can say it was a step backwards. You know, it might not have been a, a step forwards, but I don't think you could say with confidence he was worse at Newmarket than he was at Ascot. But he probably was worse at, at Deauville. Again, not, not beating an absolute mile, though. Not beating an absolute mile. And I think you're being harsh. I think you're being harsh, and I think 13 to 2 is a relatively fair price. I wouldn't rule him out. Lope Fernandez is a strange one, mate, isn't it? I mean, they've, they've tried lots of things with him, haven't mm. they? And it, it, I like that the penny's kind of dropping, but again, 
do you kind of see him as a similar enough to Dream of Dreams that he just the very very good six furlong races he needs a bit further to be at his best mm, I, I'm, I thought he ran with more than enough credit in the Morris Geese over six and I think that's, that's that's the strongest form in this. Hello, Yumzain and Lope Fernandez, uh, for me, are the two that I've got absolute... They're the form picks in this race. I think that holds the key. Um, I think the way the sprint cup's going to work out, it'll work for Lope Fernandez. I see plenty of pace going from the front. Uh, Hello, Yumzain will be up there. Golden Horde will be up there. I'd expect Art Power to be there or thereabouts, knowing he's, he has got speed to burn. Glenn Shield we've seen go forward. Um... Forever in Dreams is always ridden prominently. I, I think there's going to be a fair bit of speed. And if Lopi Fernandez can just get a seam and just sit behind him, I think he could be dangerous uh, over six. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can see that angle. I'm just not... I'm not entirely convinced he's an out-and-out sprinter yet. You know, he's he, he's closer to the Dream of Dream mould than a Hello Yumze mould for me. And even then, I do think Hello Yumze would probably get seven. Yeah. If, if they ran him over, I don't think it'd be an issue at all. But on all known evidence, he just has a little bit more pace than Dream of Dreams. There's only a point between them in the market, but I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably uh, flip them around. I just, I'm just not, not. I'm not. Well, I'm, I aren't, I aren't keen on Dream of Dreamers at the prices. This isn't me saying he's an utterly woeful bet. Because he does have he does have good form over six furlongs, you know, multiple he's been placed in group ones at this level multiple times. But I I kind of think you're slightly relying on one of the out of on one of the proper six furlong horses underperforming somewhat for him to for him to get his head in front here. Uh those at bigger prices Art Power I can forgive the Nunthorpe. Just look ridiculously badly outpaced. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I, I wouldn't take that run literally. And 10 to 1 is a fair enough reflection of what he'd achieved prior to that. In fact, if, if you take his Nunthorpe run out, he'd definitely be shorter. And I don't think the Nunthorpe holds too much water because he never really went a yard. Uh, he's better than that. But again, on all known form, there's probably a little bit of a gap to bridge uh, between him itself and the likes of the more uh, being there, done that type. So I can, by that I mean Hello Yumzain. Everything I'm going to bring back to Hello Yumzain because I think he should win. Tabdeed I thought would win the Hackwood and he went and did it. Uh, put him up at a fairly decent price and he went up at 4-1 to one as well. So that was a decent little shout back in the day. Uh, he beat the Tin Man as well who has been around forever. They're both here. Again, probably a little bit of work to do to get up to Group 1 level. Uh, do you know what, mate, as well? And I know it's become a cliche, but I can see Summergam going well. Yeah. <laughs> Only you'd say that. No. I feel 33 to 1 is a relatively decent each-way price. Because I, uh, point one, I don't think there's loads between him and the likes of... Tab Dido is half the price off. Well, double the price off. Just in terms of basic basic level of ability 
I don't think there's loads. In fact, Summergan's actually high, rated higher than him. You know, and winning the uh, winning the Stewards Cup off top weight and coming very close to winning a Group Three last week would have been, you know, would have been as good as anything Tab Deeds ever done. And I think actually, if Summergan gets his head in front last week, which he wasn't far off doing, he's half the price. Right. You know, these the for, for me, he's, he's a head off being half the price he is. I mm. think if if he's going into this with a one next to his name rather than a two, uh, the race, like you said, there's a race. This race should have a lot of speed on. That'll suit Summergand. That will suit him. And he's an out and out six furlong horse, of which there aren't particularly loads at the top of the market. Uh, look, he's he's thirty three to one, but this is a sort of wide open race that he could pop up at. And I wouldn't put anyone off backing him each way. It's hello Hume's aim for the selection for me, though, with Summergand at a slightly bigger price. And for me, it'll be Lope Fernandez. I like that. Looking forward to this. Looking forward to it. Really, really decent race. The big handicap at Haydock on Saturday is the Old Borough Cup over a mile and six furlongs. Uh, the bet best price is 8 to 1, Glen Cadden Glory and Future Investment and Rhythmic Intent. 9 Cape Coast, 12 Yukon Glen Rajinski. 14 Indianapolis, Calling the Wind, Dark Jedi and Australis. Uh, 16 to 1, Bar them. Do you have an opinion on this, mate? Um. I respect the top of the market, but looking further down, it, it interests me slightly more. Brandon Castle's a horse I've always quite liked over hurdles. Uh, when he used to be trained with Archie Watson on the flat, uh, he developed quickly into a, a, a nice enough uh, stayer and then took over hurdles. I, I think on the flat, he he started winning. Well, he's got his good runner form started off 62 and he rocketed up the handicap to a 99 uh, which was a career high mark. Um, then went jumping with Neil King, who brings him back uh, in, onto onto the flat in this. Um, he finished fourth in a, a, a staying race early, earlier uh, on in the season at Newmarket, and I thought he ran with credit there. Finishing fourth, um, that set him up perfectly for his summer jumping campaign, in which he, he finished fourth in the in the summer plate or the summer handicap hurdle on plate day at Market Raisin and he's since backed up there winning twice at Market Raisin as well. He's been fabulous form over hurdles. He's a tear away out in front and the dangerous absolute dangerous from the front at Haydock. If you just kick a bit, kick round that bend, catch me if you can, they'll be struggling and could be paddling and his stamina's assured, mile and six, soft ground. Uh, used to run over two miles. I'm sure he'd stay. Well, he stays two miles on the flat as well. Uh, make as much as you can of him, Holly Doyle and Brandon Castle will get going. I think he's overpriced at twenties. Uh, and the one towards the head of the market is Future Investment. He's also been a bit of a fan on and, and uh, as looking at his his form previously, it, it's not too bad. Uh, if I'm being fair enough, fourth behind Hamish. In the uh, uh, at York last year and second behind Laffey, uh, they're subsequently showing good form this season. Got back to winning ways at Chester last time in a race which he should have really been winning on, and he did. Uh, and I think there's still a bit more to come from him. It's still fairly likely raced uh, nine starts, and I think there's a there's a group race in him somewhere. Fair enough, there, mate. 
I quite like Cape Coast for this. I don't think he's, uh, the handicapper has been harsh on him by putting him up £5 for his win uh, in the Bet365 Trophy at Newmarket's July meeting. That was uh, his second run back after a three-year absence. Uh, he was beaten at first on his, on his seasonal return uh, off a mark of 90. Went, off, went in at Newmarket again off 90. Came home ahead of Ghostwatch, who I liked for the e-board. Didn't really... Uh, fire that day, but he'd held his home prior to that in a in France in a listed race. So I don't think it's too it's too uh, poor form. Sam Cook, who's a horse we were both a fan of, uh, was behind in that. Rashoon also was in there, who was uh, won at Newbury since then. So I think the form of that stacks up fairly well. Obviously, very likely race to one his age. He's only six, but he's he's trained by Mark Johnston. Uh, you know. A trainer who you wouldn't particularly associate with horses, uh, not not having bottle, uh, despite a bit of a lack of experience, one of his age, and I think a mark of ninety five doesn't underestimate him. He's nine to one. I think that's a very very fair each way price, and I quite like him. If I'm honest, mate. I yeah. Th- is it, we, we saw of a lightly raised six year old win the Ebor. A couple of weeks ago, and this kind of is the Haydock Ebor, and I'd be I'd be quite happy uh, to side with a horse with a pretty similar profile in Cape Coast. Yeah, respect that. Uh, so glad he's in there as well. Fascinating runner, isn't he? First run for Paul Nichols, half an hour before his his little brother Hello Humesy rocks up in the Sprint Cup. Two complete opposites of the Richter scale, aren't they? Completely, mate. It's still, it always baffles me that they're half brothers. Uh, I guess the other group race on the undercard at Haydock is a superior mile. It's a group three over a mile, surprisingly. And the be- best price is 11 to 4, Calusi and my Oberon, 6 to 1, Stormy Antarctic, 6 to 1, Top Rank, 10's Dark Vision, 11's for Kim Ross. Oh, that was a good shot from you at the start of the season, wasn't it, mate? Almost as good as Pierre Lapin. Uh, 12 for KSAR and 33 to 1 for Grainiers. Uh, Alright, that, that, that was a low enough blow, Christ. I had to get the sliding in there. Uh, are you going to be with King Ross, Jim, in this? I don't, he was 16 this morning and he's been backed into 11s. I do think he's a tad overpriced. Uh, I'm willing to give him one more go. Um, he's, he's running hot races, all group ones, uh, in his last three starts, having win that, winning that novice. This is a big step down in class. There's nothing that special in this. Um, I think he's a touch overpriced at 11s. Still, I'd have him, I'd have him at at least eight to one. Uh, and that's a shame I didn't get any of that 16s this morning. Uh, but I'd, I like Calusi more than my Obron. I'm the opposite this time round. Uh, at Goodwood, I, I fancied my Obron over uh, Calusi, but this time I think the changing ground's a big a big key. It's more than likely going to be soft at Haydock, as it usually is, and I, I do think he likes a bit of dig under the foot. When I watched the Bonhams back the other day, he just he was slightly too keen, and he, because it was a small runner race, he couldn't quite get as much cover. But I think they'll be uh, they'll be pacing this. They won't hang around here. Uh, and I, do, I also think that the the softest ground will help him sort of. Exa- he's got a, not an over exaggerated movement in his in his front legs, but it, it, I think it helps that there's a bit of dig underfoot. Um, 
I know there was a big talking point with my Auburn being clattered by Tilsit last time, but I always thought Tilsit was going to get the better of him in the end. And my main thing is I do think that the ground is a big thing for my Auburn, and he's run on good ground on all his starts and got the job done on most of them. Going to soft ground, open company, I have a question mark with. I think Calusi's more, although the one's had four runs and one's had three, I think Calusi's more, you could, you could trust him slightly more in, in open company because that, that big field handicap, uh, not the big, well, the Britannia, um, he's made him more of an animal than my Obron. You probably sound like I'm talking rubbish here, which I sort of am really. But I, I feel that Kalusi is more value at eleven to four than my Obron. That's fair enough, mate. I guess that that race at Goodwood, I was going to say, is is almost the key form line regarding them two. But it's it's a race I don't really know particularly what I make of it, given that you know the first two home were. Practically novice winners with no no other form line of great substance. And Calusi was was pretty similar because he was, I think, slightly below form at Goodwood. So if you can forgive that, I can see why why he'd be favourite. Uh, I'm going to look a little bit further down the market though, Jim. I think Top Rank's got a chance here. Yeah. At 6-1. Uh, third on only his fifth career start in the Clipper Logistics Handicap at York. Uh, at the Ebon meeting, that was won by Montafram, so Busker was second. Top Brandt came home in third ahead of Prompton, who we'd seen win the Golden Mile at Goodwood the week uh, in, in the weeks prior. That's the strongest piece of handicap form I think we've seen all season. And I think Sir Busker and Montafram would both win this. Top Brandt was only getting a pound, was only getting a pound off them there, and he's still lightly raced enough to have a little bit more improvement in him. Look, it's, he's, he's the one who's taking a fairly big jump in class. But I don't think... Look, I, I think he's not been far off matching the level of form that my Oberon and Calusi did in their, in their respective second and third at Goodwood. And you're getting 6-1 about him rather than 11-4. Yeah, they've both got very similar profiles, uh, even though top ranks a year older. Um, I agree with the fact that I do think the form of that, that York handicap is, is rock solid. And it's nice to see that them horses are having a dart at uh, Group 3 company and Group 2 last week when Sabuska. Um, and I do think 6-1 to one is generous about him as well. Um, I think I'm going to have to be with Kim Ross, aren't I? I thought he was going to win the Guineas. So if I think he's going to win the Guineas, he's got to be picking up this Group 3. Can Russell win a race when they run him over 10? They're of the opinion, though, that he's all speed, aren't they? Um, but watching race, he's not. Obviously, he must show something. Um, mile on soft ground. Could that be up his street? Maybe. But I'll, I'll, I'll go Kim Ross at 11s. Uh, last roll of the dice with him. No, I, 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 th- I think there is a tidy enough race in Kinross, but I just don't like him as a miler. I don't like him as a miler. I know he's a kingman, but, you know, his dam was much more effective over further. And I'm just a little bit baffled at the, that, that the training with him, and I think 11 to 1's a, 
a fair enough price. Well, this is winnable. This is winnable. I'll give him that. I don't think there's a... He's better than Dark Vision. Do you reckon? Yeah. No. Nothing he's done so far you can say he's better than what Dark Vision's done this year. Dark Vision's actually been back to form. He was a little bit disappointing last time in the Strensel States, but prior to that, listed winner at Ponte, won the, won the Hunt Cup, held his form again when uh, second to Montafam in the Coral Challenge. Dark Vision's the sort of horse who I think I'd be putting up for this, but he should have run better at York. Mm. And he's certainly and better than Kesar. Well, yeah, but he's a big, he's a shorter price than Kesar. Only so by a point. I don't, I don't think you're getting loads in that. But yeah, I'd, I'd rather be with Dark Vision than Kinross, even though Dark Vision needs to bounce back. Kinross needs to prove he's good enough at this level over a mile. Uh, what do you make of Stormy Antarctic? You know, I think the ground will certainly group... suit him. Sorry. The ground will certainly suit him. Yeah, placed in the uh, pre-disband last time out behind Persian King. Forming Britain before that, a little bit patchy. Stormy Antarctic's a sort of also, I think you, you're always better off having on your side when he's a big price and you can back him each way. Yeah, uh, like as we, as we saw in the 2019 Queen Anne. Uh, sorry, not the 2019 Queen Anne. I've got that mixed up with the 2018 QE2. Um, where he ran a big race at a big price. I, I agree. He, a nice big field, uh, soft ground towards the end of the season. He's, he's right up his street. And in this, he's probably the standard setter, isn't he? Um, he's the quality in this race. He's run everywhere. He's been there, done it, bought the T-shirt. If, if you want to announce yourself as a Group 3 horse, you have to beat him, don't you? Yeah, he, he, he's a useful yardstick. But, look, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be a little bit disappointed if at least one or two of them couldn't prove themselves to be better than him. Although maybe that's just being slightly disrespectful to a, to the horse with the proven form in the book, rather than the slightly sexier profiles. But, yeah, he, he wouldn't quite be for me. The previous band was a very, very bad group one. Yeah, I agree. Uh also at Haydock, they've got uh, the best odds on the Betfair Exchange handicap. That's only going to be a brief touch. It's a mile and six. Uh, class two handicap for three-year-olds, a.k.a. the Haydock Melrose. Uh, Favourite Moon and our Fury and Fable both ran in the Melrose. He's also Midra, Aldabaran and Dancing Harry. Quickly on this, Jim, any, who wins this five-runner handicap? Arturian Fable. Um, I thought that running the Bowers was really good. He did a lot wrong in the race, uh, slow away, uh, then went wide out to come in and get inside. Um, sort of was ridden to carry on and, and rather a well enough race, I thought, and I think he's certainly the standard setter in this. I agree. I like him more than the favourite favorite moon. They have the, they have the prices the wrong way around there, in my opinion. Uh, Al Dabaran's interesting first start in a handicap. Was third to Santiago in the Queen's Vase. Berkshire Rocco also ahead of him there. They're two horses we both quite like on this podcast, I think, Jim. And then was third behind Al Arzi, who looked very, very decent in the Bahrain Trophy. Dawn Rising uh, also finished ahead of him there. But he was ahead of the likes of Miss Yoda, who, you know, has won a German Oaks uh, this season. 
of a mark of 105 might be a little bit of a task giving so much weight away uh, to his opposition here. Eight pounds to Arthur and Fable, who's second in the weights. He's an interesting handicap debutant, but we agree, I think, Jim, that Arthur and Fable should be winning this. He's six to one with William Hill and threes with everyone else. How ridiculous is that? Punish them. It's mental. Punish them. Uh, there's also the ascendant states. I don't have prices for that anywhere. Only Betfair are showing prices, and everyone is twenty to twenty-one on at the minute. Uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't be backing anything in that. But that's a tidy little race. Broxy, who we last saw finishing third in the A, comes in here. Alan Kerr, a winner on debut for William Haggis, and also Fancy Man, who won on debut at Haydock. Uh, for Richard Hannon and then was second in the Stonehenge Stakes to Cove uh, last time out that's probably the best form in this race Cove obviously was second in the Pat Edry Stakes which is looking a really really tidy piece of form earlier in the season that race was won by Chindit but the likes of Naval Crown and St Lawrence in behind them so it'd be fancy man for me in that uh, obviously probably depends on the prices whether there's anything worth a bet Kempton Jim. Enable, 92 on to win the September of stakes. Will it be another one for DJ Carly Bandulla? <laughs> yeah, of course it will. Uh, it's a nothing race. It's an enable schooling session. And hopefully the Queen gallops round. Everything goes well. She's all all right. And that'll set her straight for her biggest challenge of her career uh, in Paris. Yeah, no one's going to be able there to watch, which is a shame. Uh, shaping up to be a brilliant, brilliant arc as well. So this season, there's not loads to say she should win this. And Prince of Aaron should finish second on his route to another Melbourne Cup. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's the only thing we've got to say. Uh, it'd be nice just for some other horses to get some group free. Uh, company Kirsten Bosch um, finished fourth in the Uphaven Stakes. That, that form's not too bad. Um, so hopefully she can try and get in the first three and try and get some black type for her breeding career. Yeah, unfortunately it's only a seven runner race, so we can't even come up with an interesting uh, scumbaggy finish third each way. Angle Kirsten Bosch is 33 to 1, though if you think she might be slightly better than Prince Aaron. Uh, also at Kempton. At two o'clock is the Cyrenia Stakes. This is quite a decent little group three. Uh, three to one Mystery Smiles, fives for Mighty Gurkha, eights Cloud Bridge, nines Lauded and Twassel, tens Gussie Mac Nomadic Empire and Halla Halla Halla, twelves Zamani and thirty three to one Rebel at Dawn. Has, has anyone, has, has someone just like got all the trainers together and just said, can you get all the hall, all the two-year-olds we've been using as yardsticks all season and stick them in the same race? <laughs> That's a bit of an insult to Mystery Smiles. Come on. Yeah, to be fair, I guess he's, he's third in the gym crack last time out. Best recent run out of anything in this. And he's a little bit less exposed, so the right favourite. Yeah, definitely. I think he'll take all the beating here. Um, it's weird that SDS hasn't got on board Mystery Smiles, uh, but Rob Armby's a capable... Uh, replacement on three to one. Is it, it's three to one with most firms. And the mighty Gurky put a lie through that uh, Doville run last time. Uh, the blindfold didn't come off till late uh, in that. And 
Kane gone won that that day. But Mikey Gurkha made a hell of a lot of lengths up to try and lead, well, to lead in the end uh, under Holly Doyland. Uh, used all the energy up far too early. The second in the Rose Bowls, what I think is fairly decent for methods, uh, looking to step forward in bigger company next time. And I thought the fifth in the Windsor Castle was a good run. Um, five to one scum each, each way. Bet with Mystery Smiles probably taking all the beating. Fair enough there, mate. I, m- I might give another chance to Twassel who's the best price 9-1 to one. Uh, represents that Padre stakes form he was 8th of 10 there and no sort of race but I thought he looked like quite a decent prospect when he won the woodcut I know it might have been a weaker than average renewal just, in, just because the uh, the population of horses that were able to run Epsom that early on was was clearly a lot smaller because we hadn't had had the time to get the two year olds out, but I don't think he was a a particularly uh, bad winner of that race. This might this this might be a not quite last chance, but a final opportunity to prove that he's a, a group quality two year old. And at nine to one, I'd be happy enough to take that. I think Mystery Smiles is is the right favourite, though, mate. Uh, you need to forgive Mike, Mighty Gurkha's run in Doville, like you said. You need to forgive Cloudbridge's run at York. Uh, Lord of his third to supremacy had given him a chance, but again, ran a bad race at York. Yeah. Uh, so you're not really having. Uh, the majority of these coming here off the back of most the most positive recent runs. Nomadic Empire, yeah, I can I can see the case for him at ten to one after his third in that Rose of Stakes. Arguably a little bit flat by the third because Mamba Wamba would have finished ahead of him if uh, uh, she wasn't absolutely mullered up the home straight. But that 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 was a decent run. Ten to one, I wouldn't put anyone off. And similar enough to a story with Halla 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 with regards to form prior to last time out would give her a a chance, but needs to put a poor run behind her. Uh, Mystery Smiles, I think he's a likely winner, but 9-1 for Twassel. One more go. I, I feel like his form prior to being a bit of a letdown last time is less exposed, if that makes sense. Yeah, we've given a lot of chances this podcast. I'm giving Lopi one more go. Uh, you're giving Twassel one more go. We're very... Well, if, if, if you don't go for mystery smiles in this, you have to give someone another chance. Yeah, you do. Because it's... It, barring him, it's a group of horses who ran poorly last time out. That's harsh on the Magic Empire, to be fair. But yeah, you're not you're not coming in here with uh, with a load of horses who who have upheld uh, their form recently. Interesting though, interesting. Lots of different form lines being represented, and it's going to be interesting to just have these sort each other out. Uh, it's a race I'm looking forward to. Up to Ascot, they've got three very decent handicaps as well. Uh, 
at 3.05 over a mile and a half. It's a Lavazza Stakes. It's a heritage handicap. And the best price is 11 to 2, Shandos. 7 to 1, My Frankel. 8 for Kicks. 9 is Grand Bazaar and Al Kaka. 11 is Cepheus. 12 is a Beal Champion, a star above. 16 is Coconut. 20 is Noble Masquerade. And 25 to 1 for Raven's Ark. Uh, Jim, where are you landing in, in this? I'm a big fan of My Frankel. And what a stupid name for a horse as well. Um, That's going to be my point. As, as, I think My Frankel could be a very, very nice group horse in the making. And to call it My Frankel is nothing but a disgrace. Um, I've, I've, I've been very impressed with his two returns uh, to action, having only seen the track once as a two-year-old uh, for Michael Stout. Uh, I was impressed with his victory last time at Kempton more than anything. I thought the form of that race was, was solid enough. You had the 86-rated casting vote in fourth. You had 94-rated Brentford Hope and one sort of Derby uh, type. And you had Dubai Welcome, who had run well behind on guard and looking all at seeing green at Yarmouth in what looked to, looks to be a nice race. My Frankel uh, was towards the end of the, the field uh, and he soon kicked the turbo on coming in, carrying the penalty against horses that hadn't won a race while well, in Dubai Welcome. Uh, and uh, and did it impressively and I thought at the time he, he's a group horse uh, in the making he's, uh, so Michael starts bringing him along nicely into a handicap I think he'll win this easy and then he'll kick on to win group threes Bold call there mate Bold call Jim really liking uh, Mike Frankel comes here off a mark of 96 so I guess he's not miles off he's not miles off being a being a group boss, really impressive. I guess beating the absolutely world class superstar Brentford Hope at Kempton last time. He's got away with a, a lot. Walt Connie got a hell of a lot more stick than Brentford Hope has done. And Brentford Hope's been three times as bad. Yeah, I agree. I still like Walt Connie. I think he's going to win group races. Uh, <laughs> he's a similar enough profile to Shandos. Both likely raced, both winners of the last two starts. Shandos was here over CND, where he beat Grand Bazaar, who's in this once again. Uh, again, they're fairly obvious at the head of the betting. Surely Kips will win one of these. See, this, this is the thing. The this time. is the thing. He keeps banging on the door, but I'm, I don't think he will. I, I think he's a mile and four horse. I don't think 89 underestimates him. I think he's... Look, he's third in the uh, King George... Sorry, he's, he's second in the King George at Royal Ascot. Reads really well now. I know it was a handicap, but, you know, he's split Hookham and Subjectivist. Getting, I know he was getting, you know, weight off them both and decent chunks of it. But he still finished ahead of our Fury and Fable. Uh who we both think will win it also at the weekend, finished ahead of Bodyline, who has is decent. I know he's probably been a little bit disappointing since, but I, I think he's an alright horse. Winner Clock won this week. Uh, Convict will win the Ledger, and he was behind Kips in that race. I think it was a good run. And, look, in a, in a race where quite a lot of them are coming here with not loads of experience, 
And I know you're kind of swinging for the, uh, you know, you're looking for a home run here with Mike Frankel and you think he's a group horse in a handicap. I might just take the chance that there isn't a group horse in a handicap in this and that Kipps is the most solid. And he'd probably be where I'd play it. Yeah, fair enough. I, I fancy the ears of Mike Frankel. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this for me would be a one-star selection. It would be a five-star for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he's a serious animal. And hopefully he can get the job done. He's seven to one with William Hill, as we've seen a common theme of most weeks. So please punish them. Punish them. His dad was a a group two winner back in the day. My special Jays. Yeah, no. Sure, I remember that name. Yeah. He's a very bad name for a horse. Uh, <laughs> it's it's horrendous. It's, uh, it's an insult to that. I bet you what's I'm going, bloody hell, my name's by Frankel. At least he's by Frankel, though. Yeah, Not that, like that... the fraud Galileo Chrome. Oh, yeah, no. That, that's infuriating, isn't it? It's infuriating that he's actually really quite good as well. <laughs> did, did you know... You never liked Galileo Gold? No, well, I like Galileo Gold, but again, irritating. <laughs> he's a pack boy, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Should be done for false advertising. Where are our trading standards? Where are our trading standards? We don't like that. Uh, there's also the Tween Hill Fall the Falls handicap at 340. That's a class two sprint. Uh, over six furlongs, Masonic 4 to 1, Timmy 5, 7 to 1, Jonah Jones 15 to 2, 8 to 1, Indian Creek, 10's bar. Uh, Jim, you put Jonah Jones up for his last run at the Ebor meeting. Are you with him here again? I fancy the ears off him again here. Um, stepping up to six. Um, I think I'm of the opinion that he wants that. He was fairly slowly away uh, at Ascot over five, never really into the race, but he ran on really strongly on the outside. Uh, he was the major eye catcher for me from the Ebor Festival, and I think there's plenty of juice in his mark of 89, and I think he'll win this off at 15-2. to two. Another bold call at Ascot, but this is where we're going this weekend. Fair enough. I like that, mate. It's, uh... It's not a race I have a particularly strong view on, but I guess Masonic looks like the one who might well be ahead of the mark. Winner of his last two starts, absolutely pissed up, I think would be the term to use with what he did at Kempton last time out. He's up another nine for that, given the ease of his victory at Kempton last time out. I don't think you could say that it's harsh. First running a race of this sort of level, I'd be happy enough to, to give him a try. He looks like the one with the most progress in him. Kimmy Five, if he replicates what he did in the Stewards' Cup, should be winning this, but flopped last time out in the Great St. Wilford. Can see why you like Jonah Jones. Won't put anyone off him. Uh, and I'm kind of struggling a little bit uh, for anything down the field. Equiano Springs ran well last time out when beaten by Chill Chill. I think that Chill Chill's a fairly decent horse. She's just uh, been beaten at... Windsor, or Salisbury, sorry. Well, I think she was fifth. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I I was quite keen on her when she won at Ascot that day. And so I, I don't uh, think Equiano Spring second behind her was a bad run. He's 10 to 1, fairly exposed, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't 
be entirely against him. It's not a race. Again, it's, it's similar to the other Ascot handicap. You've got a bold selection in this. I'm kind of flopping down on the favourite here. Uh, he is an exciting prospect, Masonic, though. And in, again, in a race where there's a fair few that look fairly exposed or just slightly meh, I'll go for the sexy one here. Uh, at at seven seven fifteen, sorry four fifteen, be a long break between races. There, Jesus Christ, <laughs> is the Porsche handicap over seven furlongs, and they bet best prices five to one Blue Mist, six to one Society Lion and Via Serendipity, ten to one Revich, twelve to one Documenting Wise Counsel, fourteen to one Raising Sand. Come on, Willie John, Tom Frey, and sixteen to one Bar. Them they include Accidental Agent. Who's back in a handicap? Can he? Surely not. Uh, Jim, this is a really, really good race. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't have any strong opinion on it, really. Um, accidental agent in a handicap, interesting angle. Um, raising sand, you can never rule him out of a of a seven furlong handicap at Ascot. Um, Via Serendipity landed a right gamble last time on Sugar. Well, well, would have been Sugar Cup Day. Um, up seven pounds for that victory, which I think is fairly generous enough. Um, and Blue Mist won the Moe Shandon International early on in the season. Uh, well, early in July. Uh, well, late in July in the end. Um, after being slightly frustrating for Roger Charlton. Um, interesting race. No strong fancies. Uh, but if in doubt, just hit Raising Sand. That's my tactic. You can't steal my tactic. Well, uh, uh, Jim if, proving if, once again what a scumbag he is. Well, I've made bold calls in, in two of the Ascot races. This is one race that I'd rather just sit and enjoy. We love it. We love a podcast where we can tip Summer Gand and Raising Sand in the same uh, in the same show. Uh, Willie John's fascinating. He's been fascinating for years, but... Well, he's fascinating at the running him over seven. Because he won over seven on his debut. And then they've not... They've not run him again over that trip since 2017. You know, they went to a mile and a half with him. And they've slowly just been bringing him back and back down in trip. Fourth in the Golden Mile last time. We know that that was a good race. Prompting's held the form up well. Urban Icon is, you know, borderline black type level horse. And uh, same with a fact who is a really, you know, top level handicapper. I find him interested in this. I'm not saying that I think he'll win it. But, you know, he, he, he was second to a Larkham in a listed race last time out with the likes of Thundering Blue and Next Relucid in behind. He was fifth behind Foxtel, well beaten by... Do I big kick uh, big country and El Wazir and walk in the sand? So not for me at all. Not for me. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not saying I think Willie John will win, but I just you, you know when a horse when you're looking through the cards and you think just, just fascinated to see how he gets on in this. Because surely I know he's he's really well bred. He's a son of Izzy Top, but his best form would have him absolutely dance up here. But his best form was over a different trip, and he shows his best form once in a blue moon. Well, if he was gonna, if he were gonna win at any of the races that he's been putting, it surely it would have been the Golden Mile last time. And at no stage of that race did I think he was gonna win. Fair enough, mate. 
fair enough. I might give another chance here, mate, to a horse I'm, I rather like, which is documented. Who we knew, no, primarily in general as an all-weather horse. You know, he was second in the uh, Lady Wolfruner is a race called at Wolverhampton. That urban icon beat him in. And yeah. he was also second to the mighty King Summergand uh, on Boxing Day. Why is the flat racing on Boxing Day? Should never occur. Uh, but he's proved he's, he's still a reasonable animal on turf. You know, he was, he, he was in the first half of the Buckingham Palace at Royal Ascot. Won last time out at York. He's not been too harshly punished for that up six pounds. You know, Ray, Ray Dawson takes five off. I could give him a chance at 12 to 1. His horse, with, you know, he's been getting beat by horses who are generally better than handicaps nowadays. Put, put you to a decent enough mark uh, to good effect at York last time out. 101's not hugely unfair. Blue Miss, we were both massively against when he won the international, won't we? They got half faces there. Completely. I mean, he does go off favourite every time he runs. Uh, we just thought he'd continue to bottle it. Uh, he, again, he's up six to that, and it's probably stronger form. So off 101, yeah, I can see why he's fav again. I, I always get the vibe with Bloom. It's that his team and the vibes surrounding him make me think that they, they think they have a black type horse. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. And it's just... It's taking me a while. Maybe this is the time he warms up. Maybe this is, this is him warming him up. Society Lion, you know, was really decent at, at Glorious Goodwood. Beaten at Chelmsford last time out, but again, his, his form... He's never ran a bad race in his career, to be fair. Six runs and all of them have been, you know, you can't really knock any of them. Now up to a mark of 96. This is the biggest test of his career, but it's relatively fair. And via serendipity, landed a huge gamble on his uh, stable debut for Charlie Fellows last time out. In a race that had the Shergar Cup in the title, please, can we just for one year forget it exists? Even in a year we don't have the Shergar Cup, it's still haunting us. Uh, better over a mile though that would be what I'd say about Via Serendipity he's probably to be fair a mark of 90 underestimates him on his best form but he's he's a miler in my head yeah he's so, in mine as well so I'd be a little bit worried about that and we saw Revich uh, win twice at Chester in August really likeable horse to Midland Park He's going the right way. Beat Queen Sergeant last time out, who reopposes here. Up 12, though. That's my yes. main problem. That's, that's the problem. Up 12. This is the deepest race he's ever running. It's going to need to be a huge career best from Revich. But we like him. He's a nice horse, even if he might, might have a bit of a job on. Angus Villiers takes five off. I think I'll be with... If I, if I were to have two against the field, I'd probably be, be with documenting and blue mist. Yeah. Because I know, I know we've done a lot of slagging of blue mist in general in the past. But I look at, I look at the mark of 101, even though he's up £5, and I still think... I'd, I'd hope he's a little bit better than that. 
I don't think documenting's much better than 101. But I think there might be a little bit of juice, and I think he's solid and consistent. So that would be my thinking with that. And Jim goes back to the age-old tactic of raising sand each way in an Ascot handicap. It pays yeah. its way. And pray, pray that the heavens open. France. On Sunday is where the other group one of the weekend in Europe is, the Prix de Moulin. Uh, they bet best prices at the minute, 5-2, to 5-4 Pinotubo, 5-1 Circus Maximus, 15-2 Siskin, 8-1 Romanized, 10 Victorum, 11 Persian King, 33-1 Ancient Spirit. Really interesting races on paper. How on earth is Pinotubo so short? Yeah, and I also think it's weird that I don't think most of the... It's, I keep going down and I'm thinking, who's going to ride Pinatubo? Who's going to ride Circus Maximus? Who's going to ride Siskin? Who's going to ride Romanized? Because um, Billy Lee's only just come back from isolation after riding him uh, in the Jacques Um it, It's fascinating. There could be some top French jockeys getting some nice rides here. Um Pinatubu's too short for me. Uh, I know, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but Circus Maximus is probably a solid each way bet, isn't he? Um, scumbag, you know he'll run his race. Um, he ran well enough in the Jack Lamar last time, possibly slightly disappointing in comparison to his Sussex Stakes uh, second. Uh, he got the, I always thought he was going to keep finding in that Sussex Stakes in comparison to Siskin. And I have been quite a fan of it, Siskin, uh, even stepping up to a mile. Um, but I, I don't think this... Um, the, the Sussex last time proved to me that Circus Maximus would always beat Siskin, in my opinion, no matter what the circumstances or anything. I thought all the the criteria of the race at Goodwood was in Siskin's favour and Circus Maximus still got the better of him. Um, and I think he'd be a solid each way bet in this. Yeah, we, we say it every time he runs. I'm, I'm just, this market baffles me. Pinatubo needs to prove he's a group one miler. Yeah, I'm still not 100% in the camp of, of a mile. I think seven furlongs is probably him. It's, Godolphin, Godolphin need to get him a group one over a mile as well. I know he won the Jean Pratt, but winning a three-year-old group one over seven furlongs, it's definitely really far on the low end of group ones. Mm. No, no one breeds a horse to win over seven furlongs. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you either want a sprinter or a miler. You don't want something that's halfway in between. Yeah. Uh, and I'm saying this as a Pinatubo fan. He's an absolutely woeful price. He's a woeful price. I'd be back in Siskin. Would you? At 15 to 2, definitely. Showed up really well at Goodwood, I think. Couldn't get past Circus Maximus. But there wasn't two and a half points worth of difference in their performances, I think. Mm. You know, he's probably the horse with the best turn of foot in this race. Including Pinatubo, in my opinion. And if it, yeah. if it tees up for a quickener, which it could well do with Circus Maximus doing his usual scrubbing along job, he could be bang there. It's a cracking race. It's seven runners. Five of them have won Group 1s over a mile in the past year. Yeah, the one, that, it, one of them that hasn't 
he's almost an even money favourite. Yeah, that's mental, isn't it? It's, um, the bet for this for me is late in a two ball. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, Persian King, the Mawau, he was a tad bit keen, and I was slightly disappointed with that. Uh, Victor Ladorum in this, mm, stepping back down in trip to a mile, which I, I thought it was impressive in the in the two thousand French two thousand. I think that it'd be inter- I think I like Victor Ladorum more than I like Persian King in this. Oh, I, I wouldn't particularly be with either of them. I was going to say I like cars more than the French. I mean, they're all Irish. The ones uh, I like. And also Circus Maximus is owned by French people. Yeah, so I can't quite be a massive Nigel Farage imperialist and claim that Ireland's arse. Uh, <laughs> I'll upset a lot of people if I do that. And it's definitely not ours. Uh Circus Maximus, again, I'd rather back him at fives. I'd rather back Siskin at 15-2. I'd rather back Romanizer at 8-1 than, than I'd back Pinner at 2 Romanized should have probably got this last season. Yeah, he should and have. And he has been running well since. There's not loads between him and Circus Maximus, although I do think, fractionally, Circus Maximus is a slightly better horse. I just think he's such an overreaction to what was a good run from Siskin in the Sussex Stakes. It was a, it was a, it's a more substantial piece of form than the Irish 2000 is. Obviously, you might have a little bit to prove if it turns up if it turns up into an absolute bog. That would help Circus Maximus. But it wouldn't help Romanize that. that that's what beat him last time. Uh, Billy Lee was speaking to Racing TV saying that the heavy ground completely blunted his his turn of speed, and the better ground for him, the better chance he's got. Completely, and you wouldn't. I don't think it'd help Pina Turb when he. Look, he might go and win, but he's the worst favourite of the year. Oh, you've God! This is we've laid our cojones on the line on here. Christ! This is he. He is five. He is the worst favourite of the year at those prices. Yeah. He is. I can't understand it. You know, how Circus Maximus is ridiculously solid. Pinatubo's won once. Pinatubo's Group One was the worst Group One that any of these have won. Arguably barring Persian King. I'd I'd be confident enough for that. Well, Victor Ladorum's won't crack in either. But Romanized Circus Maximus and Siskin's form is more substantial than what Pinatubo has done. And they all definitely stay this trip. Uh, I sound like I'm on a little bit of a rant. Siskin's a bet for me, though. Sometimes you can find this, don't you? When a horse is well fancied for a race and doesn't win it, the market is can overreact sometimes and thinking, oh, well, they should have won. Really, no. Siskin still ran to a decent level. You know, and it, what it was done by, it was done by a, an exceptionally talented horse in Mahaffa. And Circus Maximus, who is the most solid animal you could ever wish to come across, and is classy. Uh, he's the bet for me, and I hope he does it. Yeah, and for me, it's Circus Maximus solid each way bet. Probably the first time in about at least a year that I've not put Circus Maximus up for a race he's running. <laughs> I think it is. I mean, look, 
he should do, but I, I think the way the way to beat Circus Maximus is you beat him with a quickener. Yeah, and Siskin certainly that. And Siskin tried it to be fair, and Siskin, for a longer way, looked like he was going to get past Circus Maximus, and I guess you could say it was slightly worrying that he actually didn't. Mm. So I understand that. But give him another go, I'd be happy to, especially with two and a half points difference. The runs at Goodwood were not, you know, were not that different to merit it being five to one to fifteen to two. Definitely not five to one and eleven to two. Yeah, fair enough. But the extra two points there, he's just too big. Uh, Pinatubo probably going to piss up now, won't he? <laughs> yeah, probably. Just looking as well, Jim, I'm, I, I am on the uh, odds checker international anti-post market at the minute. MB has 3-1 to one for that Phillies mile and six race yeah. uh, in France at the end of September. She's going for it. 3-1. to one. So It's, it's nice not a bad bet. She gets, uh, she gets her sound. She should beat Searcher Song and Manuela de Vega. Well, she shouldn't. It's not like she should beat them. She will beat them. Yeah. Tidy enough little anti-post bet, if anyone wants it. Uh, you want to talk about the Kentucky Derby, Jim? The Derby, sorry. Uh, I'm not hugely up on my American racing. I have been watching a bit more of it. Well, in fact, a lot more of it this season. And I watched Tis the Law win last time out. Was it the Belmont? Uh, it was. Uh, and I came away from that thinking he might be the best horse in the world. But... He's drawn in 17 here, which no horse has ever won from. So what do you make of this Kentucky Derby field? Derby. Well, it, it's almost completely just turned the race on its head. Everything that I thought had a chance has been drawn out in the car park. Um, no, as you said, no horse has won from that draw before, which makes it very, very difficult. Um, they'll have a lot of work to do from that position. Um, but Tis the law is the best horse in this race, and if if he is the best horse in this race, he will defy um, the draw that he's been given at the prices at twenty to one. I'm going to give Max Player another go. Um, he's been behind Tis the law twice in 2020, but I, I do have sort of excuses for that. Um, he comes from the back and runs late, and the last couple of times he. Not exactly had that much of a pace to aim at, uh, especially in the Travers, we saw that, and he still ran on fairly strongly in the end. Um, the, this race is always well run. There's a lot of speed going in. They'll go strong gallop. And he, I, I think stepping up uh, to the... Uh, well, the, on, going on the one-mile-two trip round, I do think will suit him more at Churchill. Um He's, it's his first run for a new trainer uh, who had more success than, he, than his last. And I think that at 20 to 1, he could be a bit more of value uh, running over a mile and two on a fast run race. Hopefully it doesn't go sloppy um, because it's horrendous when that happens. And I, I think at 20s, although he's joining stall two and he's normally not the quickest away, um, if you can sit midfield or something and they go a fair enough clip up front which I'm expecting because all the horses that you expect to be running uh, well, towards the top of the market are uh, further 
um, down in the draw in, in 16, 17, 18. Um, you'll expect them to try and race forwards, to try and race the lower draws or the middle draws later on. So I think there'll be a fair enough gallop on, and I think Max Player at 20s could be in each way. Probably. I will be watching the Kentucky Derby. Uh and I'll be cheering on Tis the Law just because I really like him and I don't really know anything about anyone else. Yeah, I, I'd quite like Tis the Law to win, but I do think it'd be very difficult to get the job done from where he was. I'd be so happy, though, if Max Player could make us an internationally successful podcast winning the Kentucky Derby at 25-1. to 1. Uh, Racing Stripes ran well in it a couple of years ago. That's about, <laughs> that's about the level of my knowledge of a previous Kentucky Derby winners. It might, in fact, last year's was very dramatic, wasn't it? There was a demotion oh, and everything. Oh, it, it had it all last year. Had me up till about two o'clock in the morning, horses getting chucked out left, right and centre. Yeah, they're very, very strict with it. I mean, Jesus Christ, they'd have had an aneurysm if they saw what happened at Down Patrick the other day. <laughs> that was, well, that was shocking, let's just say that. Yeah, it wasn't great. RTR nap time, Jimbo. Your Ooh. three selections. Are we allowed to go international? Do you want to go international? Because I mean, mine aren't. Right, fair enough. I'll I'll stay here. I do think I do think Siskin might be the better of the weekend. But we'll stay in, we'll stay in Britain and Ireland then, mate. Nap my Frankel in the Lavazza Heritage Handicap. Solid chance. Um, Next best comes in the race afterwards. Jonah Jones, 15-2 to two in the Tween Hills Follow the Falls Handicap. Uh, solid check credentials again. And my reserve is going to be in the Old, uh, Old Borough Cup with Brandon Castle at 20s. And if that lands, I'm off to Dubai. Good night. Fancy man for me in the ascendant stakes as the nap. Next best, Hello Yumze in the Sprint Cup. And as a reserve, I'm very tempted to say enable. I'm not quite going to be that much of a bastard. Uh, Our Fury and Fable, also at Haydock, in the uh, 2.15. There's also a listed race at York on Sunday, which Summergan's also entered in. He'll win that if he rocks up in it. And it's the Mayo National on Sunday as well. If Port Morlock learns to jump, he should win that as well. of course, I've got to get a little bit of national action in there. It's almost October now, which means it's almost a Charlie Hall, which means it's almost a King George, which means it's almost Cheltenham. Uh, Just one more, um, one more horse for me um, that's running on Monday at Leicester. Al Raya in the conditions race. I think she'll take all the beating. Nice one, yeah. She's a nice filly, Al Raya. I like that, mate. And uh, uh, and. Agial at Wolverhampton tomorrow, uh, well, on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Uh, very impressive debut at Haydock. Uh, should should win that, but will more than likely be a short prize. Do you think they might end up being as good as Summergan? Who knows? It's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening to this week's edition of Turf Top. We've got through a shit ton, haven't we? There's been a lot of runners and a lot of races and sit comfortably on your sofas and enjoy yeah hopefully we pick at least one winner between us um, enable should see to that <laughs> but apart from that hopefully 
you've enjoyed listening to us. Hopefully we make a bit of money this weekend. And hopefully you'll be back next week to listen to our St. Ledger preview. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Rating the Race for the support. And we'll see you all again very soon. See you later.